The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. documentary conspiracy or educated or forks over knives it's power medium in the vegan movement and guess what we are making one right now the compassion project to bring the vegan message to people who identify as religious or spiritual i'm victoria moran honored to be a producer on the compassion project and host of the main street vegan podcast so welcome today we are in the beautiful Manhattan home of Jack and Susie Welch, and we'll be joined about halfway through by Thomas Jackson. And so if you can talk about something, then you're just right up to the fact because Mr. Jackson will be here to interview today's guests. Susie Welch, business author, Today Show contributor, and host of Get to Work with Susie Welch on CNBC, and her lovely daughter, Eve Wetlaufer. They're both vegans, and they're vegans for the animals. Eve is a recent graduate of NYU's Gallatin School with a minor in the Animal Studies Initiative and a concentration on the intersection of animal rights, environmental ethics, and spirituality. Eve works for the Corporate Responsibility Team at Discovery Communications, and she is a social justice activist compelled by justice, peace, and liberation for all beings. Now, I'm just... Eighteen years old when I first got into NYU, and I knew that right away I wanted to work some some sense of animal welfare, animal behavior, and conservation into 
my clinician training. So the first class that I took that had to do with those topics was an animal activism class on the different tactics of activism and how they played a role in successful vegan move in the vegan movement. And that was really what first opened my eyes to the plight of farmed animals. Before that, I had always been an animal lover, or so I thought. And I had worked at dog and cat sanctuaries, but this was the first time that I was my eyes were open to the animals that we humans eat for food. And that that really set my life up to be what it what it has become and what it is today. And um once I started learning about these issues and reading many, many books about them, I couldn't help but open the eyes of my family members around me, some begrudgingly. But um, finally, my mom sort of started to listen and uh, got on board with me as well. Oh, that's wonderful, because you've really done what so many people want to do. It's like, oh, if only I could convert my mom or my brother-in-law or my second grade teacher (laughs) and you've done it congratulations so you are the future of veganism i mean i look at you you're so bright you're so active and i think you can see the future in a way that i can't so for example this fall i know you've organized a panel with three farm animal sanctuary leaders to talk about their role in the movement why are sanctuaries important well to me i first got my interest in animal welfare through sanctuaries, through dog and cat sanctuaries. And my eyes were open to farm animal issues through going to farm sanctuary up in Watkins Glen. And that was when I really first put a face to these billions and trillions that are the ghosts in our machine. And I find that the moment that you really connect with an individual animal and look in their eyes and see them as the sentient beings that they are and see and understand that they have diverse personalities and wants and needs, that that really solidifies your decision to view them as moral beings um, with personhood. And So for me, I went on to work at Catskill Animal Sanctuary, which is in the Hudson Valley, and I worked as an education and outreach intern for summer. And then after I visited, I visit farm animal sanctuaries whenever I get the chance, and I'm lucky to have so many around New York City that I can uh, visit. And I just think that they really uh, not only open up an incredibly important facet of this movement, which is actually getting people to see to see the voiceless uh, animals and the faceless animals that um, we talk about and that we advocate for. Um, and I also think that sanctuaries play a really important role in education and in outreach. And when all of those pieces come together, animals themselves and telling their stories, some of them, you know, some of them ran away from slaughterhouses. Some of them were rescued in hoarding uh, or in factory farms on the side of the road after transit. Um, 
And telling those stories just really uh, personalizes these store these uh, animals, people who originally understood them as one. And I that that was really what drew me to the to the sanctuary uh, aspect of this movement. And but that wasn't without critique. And so working at Catskill Animal Sanctuary, I did notice the uh, ethical conundrums that would often come about when many, many people would show up for tours and oftentimes, you know, come in with the pretense that it was a petting zoo and slowly but surely have their eyes opened to what these, what it was really happening with these animals. And so avoiding any sort of zoo-like environment and really getting their stories and the educational aspect of sanctuaries out there, I thought it was really important to get different sanctuary, farm animal sanctuary leaders together to talk about how best to move forward as our movement gets bigger and bigger. Mm, it's so wonderful to get to visit them, I think, especially children. You yes, know, Especially definitely. if the parents want to go vegan. How do I bring my kids along? Go to a sanctuary. You'll, you'll have them. So I know that, like your mother, you're very interested in this. Break. I do just want to get from you. This whole idea of animal studies as a field of higher education, that's so new. You were so lucky to be part of it in, in such a beginning stage. Why is that important? Well, I think that the animal rights movement for so long has been sort of a, a grassroots movement that's been so involved in activism, but really taking these issues into a higher education setting and studying them and getting these these messages out there into students can make such a huge difference in an academic mindset. Um, so, for instance, talking about and learning about animal rights in a historical perspective, in a political and governance perspective, I studied um, in a social justice, food justice perspective. There's so many interse- intersections with animal rights and other uh, and other fields of study that it really just opened. Uh, a whole vehicles as the moral beings that they are and find how they fit into different academic contexts. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so happy you're alive now and young and doing all these amazing things. You know what? We're going to take a very short break and then we're going to come back with the double whammy of a power and her powerful mom right after this. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Main Street Vegan Program, and I am here with Eve Wetlofer and Susie Welch. We've just been talking with Eve about being a young and very educated vegan. Don't you want to go to NYU and do animal studies? Boy, I do. I don't think there's an age limit on that. Now, I would like to invite into the conversation Susie Welch, an author and TV journalist, her books about deliberate values-based decision-making, 10-10-10, A Life-Transforming Idea, was a New York Times bestseller and winning 
which she co-authored with her husband, Jack Welch, is one of the best-selling business books of all time. Along with her popular weekly CNBC show, Get to Work with Susie Welch, Susie is also a correspondent on the Today Show with Kathy Lee and Hoda. She is the mother of four children and calls herself a mediocre but determined runner, a dog fanatic, yay for that, and a member of the board of the Humane Society of the United States. Welcome, Susie. Well, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you. I just want to share with the listeners what you said the first night that I met you that I'd never heard before and I've never heard since. You said, I'm vegan because I love Jesus. Tell us about that. Well, um, uh, I remember the first night I met you also, and I, I couldn't believe I was in the same room with you because I had been admiring you from afar for so long, and you're one of my heroes. Um, and uh, I think that I had always been an animal lover. Um, and I remember one of my first acts of, uh, of civil disobedience, although it was actually beyond civil disobedience, is when I was a little girl, um, I came upon a um, box trap in the next, my next door neighbor's yard, and I destroyed it with a big rock. Um, and I just knew that it was, I just felt in my bones it was wrong. And, and th- but then, if, like, you know, for cultural reasons, I'm Italian, whatever, I grew up eating animals. And um, then as time went on, I stopped eating because of what I heard. And so I stopped eating red meat and then I stopped eating. I heard about gestation crates. I stopped eating uh, pigs. And then I was down to fish and dairy. Um, And then uh, my youngest uh, child, um, Eve, who you've heard from, uh, went to NYU and started studying animal liberation. And uh, I knew when she started talking about um, the lack of mercy shown to the animals that this was uh, in direct conflict with my core values as a Christian, which are um, based on mercy, compassion, kindness, um, and uh, and mainly those and love. And I couldn't put it together. I couldn't hear what Eve was saying and feel like I was um, living out my values as a Christian if this was what was happening to animals. And not just animals, but the people who are have jobs where it is to kill the animals because their souls are also nullified and destroyed by that. And as soon as Eve started talking about it, uh, I I just felt so conflicted. But I knew the way to make the conflict go away was to become a vegan. And in fact, I sort of hung on desperately to my Greek yogurt until Eve one day in the kitchen said to me, do you know what goes on at a dairy farm? And that was the end of that. Um <laughs> And and then she found a great Anita's cream lined coconut yogurt for me, um, and so uh, I you know people come to veganism for all sorts of reasons, but it, for me it was I wanted I I, um, I I knew that if I was going to be a, a faithful Christian, I couldn't participate in a system that is based on abject, heartbreaking cruelty to God's creatures. And then uh, with that sort of gut feeling, I began to read everything that had been written uh, in this um, in this field, in particular, the incredible book Dominion, um, which is the Christian uh, argument or the Christian explanation for um, animal liberation, but veganism. Uh, and I and I and, and it was a wonderful confluence of, of, of it. Now, I will say I'm on the board of the Humane Society, so I shouldn't say that I don't love animals. I really love dogs. I sort of like cats, but I'm not like one of your big animal you know i don't like snakes you know alligators freak me out but so i mean so it's, I, I do it for the animals but i do it i'm a vegan 
because I want to I want to follow Jesus and his example. Well, it blew me away this time just as much as it did the first time. And I think that's because it's just not something that one hears from most Christians. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because they don't have Eve for a daughter? Yeah, I, for them. I mean, I think that there, there are there is this group of evangelicals, you know, evangelicals who are vegan because of uh, the so many. There are so if you're looking for scripture um, to help you become a vegan, it is in abundance. Number one, with Eden being vegan. I mean, Eden. Her place was vegan. And you really don't need to get more scripture than that, but there is so much. I mean, there's Proverbs 12.10, which I adore so much, which is basically says, uh, God judges your soul by how you treat animals. Okay. Uh, but there's many, many other uh, places um, in the Old and New Testament. But the reason why you don't hear um, Christians talk about it, the reason you don't hear most people talk about it, is that there's cultural um, uh, traditions around what we eat and how we eat and and some people don't know the bible very well you know they just sort of know sort of um the the sort of received wisdom on what it says in the bible and there's animal sacrifice in the bible um that i which i like to point out all the time is that yes but then uh that was because we fell and when the world was perfect uh there was no animal sacrifice and when jesus died there was no more need for animal sacrifice he himself said he was the last sacrifice and so um uh, I hope that there are more and more Christians who understand. I, I hope there's more religious people, period, who understand that a good God uh, weeps um, when he sees inside slaughterhouses, weeps, because God created us all. No matter what religious faith you're from, you believe that God created it all. And he certainly wouldn't ever approve of what happens to animals. Amen to that. So just so that the people under, uh, listening understand what we're talking about, you use the term vegangelical, <laughs> which I love. It's a little hard I to pronounce not, the I, first I time. Not, I did not coin it. Um, but you are an evangelical Christian. And I think when a lot of people hear that, they hear, well, I'm gay, and so I'm told I'm an abomination, or I'm Catholic, and I've been told I'm not Christian. So what do you do with all that? What What is evangelical? And if you can kind of define for us, what's the difference between that and other terms that we probably don't understand either, like fundamentalist, Pentecostal, mainline Protestant? Can you just kind of lay that out for us? Okay, so I'm just, the podcast is 12 hours, correct? <laughs> Twelve, yes. Twelve point five when needed. I know. All right, let me. This is a big, big question, and um, uh, I myself identify myself as a follower of Christ. I think that's the way to get rid of all the labels and get rid of a lot of the um, uh, the the stuff that people carry when they hear labels. You know, Lutheran, Methodist. Oh, my grandfather was a was a Methodist, and then he married a Catholic, and everybody was upset. And so, I, I like to get rid of the labels and the and the doctrine stuff and say I'm a follower of Christ and I, and I try to do what he told me in the Bible. Um, evangelicals, uh, um, that's the largest denomination in America right now, and it, it, it has got a lot of uh, diversity with even within it because there's some Presbyterians who consider themselves evangelical and so forth, but evangelical just really refers to the desire to spread the news, the desire to, it's a way of worshiping, which is to say we really think this is great news that the world is based on love and God wants everyone to feel loved and that Christ was a great example for how to live. Um, within that, uh, there are, you know, there are different ways people practice, you know, how often you take communion, who can take communion, all those kinds of things. I mean, I, uh, I like the inclusiveness of, of the 
evangelical church in terms of communion. And so that's probably why I would, and I go to an evangelical church, so that's why I identify as one. But I really, uh, in terms of the other groups, you know, Pentecostalists, oh God, you know, uh, you know, that's a very small fringe group um, that identifies themselves as Christians. Many Christians um, not, are not, would not uh, see it the same way. Fundamentalists are people who take the Bible literally. Again, this is a very small number of Christians, um, and uh, not even Jesus took the Bible literally in every case. And so I'm often perplexed by fundamentalists. Um, uh, but, you know, I think because people have a lack of experience with and history and studied this religious movement, they, they, they sort of tend to lump everybody in to, you know, all Christians, there are Christians, you know, most Christians are sort of mortified by Christians who handle snakes. Okay. Those are the Pentecostalists and like, I say, like, I'm a Christian. I don't see where that is in the Bible. And, 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 and so as I said, the way I sort of, we can let go of this is just to talk about the example of Jesus Christ, which is one of love, mercy, compassion, forgiveness, gentleness, uh, kindness, um, and self-control. I always say to my kids when I'm talking about that, you know, and the hard one, self-control. Um, but uh, that's also a part of, you know, becoming a vegan because sometimes you just want what you want and you got to stop and say, but there's consequences for what I want to eat. And so that's all part of the Jesus message too. Mm, beautiful. Well, let's bring Eve back into this. So, what happened, Susie, from your point of view? Here, all of a sudden, you have this vegan daughter, and there's yogurt in your fridge. Well, Eve was, uh, forgive me, Eve, for what I'm about to say. Eve is an intellectual, and so the way she first came at it with us was to talk to us about these concepts from a very intellectual point of view, saying, you know, have you thought about the food system? And, and so... It was an intellectual conversation when it started. Um, and right about the same time, uh, because I'd been involved with dog rescue work quite extensively, I got the incredible opportunity to become a board member at the Humane Society of the United States. And if you put a vegan daughter and the videos that you see as part of a board member at the Humane Society together, uh, it's a pretty quick conversion. Um, but Eve was an enormous help in so many ways. I mean, she was a gentle guide. She's much, much more gentle than I am um, about talking to people about this. She's just this weekend reminded me that something I wanted to do in terms of protest was against the law. Um, and so <laughs> she was like, but mom, that's against the law. So uh, uh, it was a it was a conversation. You know, the interesting part of the conversation in which you can sort of describe also is, look, you know, we also have in this uh, in this home is my husband, Jack Welch, Eve's stepfather, who was a meat and potatoes Irish guy down to his bones. He is now a vegan and actually sort of a militant vegan. And that was that's a journey. Yeah, I knew that uh, having my mom, someone as smart as my mom, as loving as my mom, and with such a with such a platform as my mom, having her on my side would be something for me as so satisfying because we're best friends, but also so powerful and impactful for the animals. And so I know that everyone comes to veganism and to these issues for different reasons, whether that be health or um, we usually hear them as like the three, the three reasons, health, uh, ethics, and the environment. But I am a huge proponent of the spiritual and religious connections to veganism. And I knew that as someone who is as 
uh, religious and, and Christian as my mom, that that would be a huge, powerful step into her seeing through the ethical uh, framework that she already operates under into including animals into that ethical framework. And for me, that the, that first summer when I first went vegan, I read Dominion by Matthew Scully and learned about the different ways that people interpret that um, uh, that one Genesis one twenty six uh, verse with with the word dominion in it, but then also the verse right after Genesis one twenty nine, in which God says, "I've given you every herb bearing seed and every tree, every fruit yielding tree to eat." And I think that adding in all of the different scriptural verses itself, the 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 verses, but also the thematic. Um, teaches teachings of the Bible as such as compassion and mercy really added so much more validity to the movement that allowed my mom to kind of come on board with me and see it through her eyes as well. So that whole idea of dominion, you guys talk about among yourselves. So bring us into the conversation. What do you say? Um, Well, you know, what is dominion, right? So that is something that theologians have been debating uh, forever. And, you know, then Eve went and basically studied it for four years. What, is, what, do, what do different faiths say about what dominion is? And um, there's a, uh, we have a large church in, in Palm Beach, my main home in Florida, and um, we uh, have a, a large church, and one of the pastors is a hunter, and he's looking forward to having a debate with me about what dominion means. I've been, I've heard, I've heard because every time he posts a hunting picture, I, 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 uh, I, 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 I'm right inside the line of inappropriate in my responses. But I, um, but I, but I think that you know, dominion is a really big topic, and Eve can talk to you more about what different means it has. But for me, the only way to understand, you know, God gives Adam and Eve. Or, humankind dominion over all of his creation and you can take that word and you can parse a lot of different ways but to my mind anytime you start parsing the bible it's dangerous you have to read and understand the bible as a full document beginning to end you know you could read any book in the world and take out a sentence and have or a word and have a heyday with it but if you understand the whole love story that is the bible God's redeeming love for us and you read the bible from beginning to end and then you look at the word dominion and you basically said god wanted uh, humankind to have dominion over creation the same way God has dominion over us. That is a loving, life-giving, gentle um, um, relationship. And and you cannot include in that understanding of dominion the mass slaughter of creatures that do not want to die. And so that is the conversation we have about dominion. Now then it, with us in this house, because of we're constantly thinking about this, it extends to thinking about animals and circuses and um, animals in any kind of uh, a place. You know, one of the, uh, I, my husband had a heart attack the other day because we were at a fancy fundraising party in Central Park and all the people were leaving. And it was, uh, we came up the stairs and all the horse-drawn carriages were there. And as they went by, I, I shouted loudly, animal liberation, animal liberation over and over again. And so it extends to the horses in the park and, um, uh, and, and any kind of place where animals are not, where the kind of dominion over them is not one of love and joy and life-giving. It's so difficult sometimes with 
fellow humans. Yesterday, we had a city council uh, election here in New York City, and I was so excited that on my way to the polls, I ran into the one gentleman in my neighborhood who was recommended by the Empire Humane Voters. And I said, I'm going to go vote for you because (laughs) the Humane Voters say you're good. And he said, well, you know, we're all animals, although the animals sometimes think we're animals. (laughs) And it wasn't perfect vegan speak, but, you know, cool. He was he was part of us. So I walked around the corner. I have my little dog with me. And there was a man there walking his dog who was, of course, interested in my dog. Little bitty, 15-pound, maybe 12-pound dog. And he jerked this dog up, you know, like he was some sort of a trained attack dog about to kill half a dozen people. And I said, oh, she's just a dog. And oh, my goodness. This man was so angry that I was a little bit afraid, you know, coming out later because I had, in his view, certainly stepped into his parameter. This was his dog, just like people think about this is my child. This is how I do things. And I'm just very impressed that that you um, had animal liberation right there at the get-go with the carriage horse drivers. Well, inspired by Eve. Um, inspired by Eve. Yeah, the one thing that I would have to say about the about Dominion is that it does truly the way that it has been interpreted as this sort of uh, as a sovereignty that there is a camp of of people who view Dominion as as a sovereignty relationship, and then of course there are the people who view it more as Dominion as stewardships. And the sovereignty folks um, really do view it as this hierarchical, anthropocentric setup where they are still viewing it as when the Bible was written 1,700 years ago. And that was an agricultural society, which we, you know, of course, was helpful in being the foundation for what for how we live today. But that has also, the concept of dominion has also been a justifying concept, which has, you know, justified unspeakable violence, both towards animals and towards non-human animals through colonialism and um, manifest destiny and all of these um, othering mechanisms that allow humans, some humans, to say that's that animal category over there. doesn't matter if they're technically humans or non-humans, but they're lower, they're lesser, and we can oppress them. And so the concept of dominion, of course, is very different back then than it is today. And there were not factory farms back then. There were not um, people who were testing uh chemicals on animals in cages and and so we have to evolve with the times and the timeless messages within the bible the positive ones the ones that allow for our society to evolve as compassionate beings that we truly innately are are the ones that we need to draw upon and and keep close to our hearts because those are the ones that make us better people and allow our ecosystem and the animals around us to thrive 
This is so interesting as we're talking about the the animal part of veganism, which was the original reason for veganism happening. We also have, of course, now a big health community as well. And when I listen to you guys talking about the Bible and the whole picture, I think about Dr. Campbell and his book Whole and his concept about food, that we have to look at the whole food and not just the little part. And yet I do think that people get fixated on the parts. And as I think of you, Susie, and I love your phrase that you're using, follower of Christ, people get very hung up on, but he didn't tell people to be vegetarian and didn't he eat fish? And for me, I always go back to, but they had human slavery then. And that wasn't talked about either. And I think some things just have to evolve for us to get to the point where we're able to say, okay, this is wrong. We're not doing that anymore. Where do you come down on some of those little piddly questions? So, number one, we never see Jesus eat or drink anything in the Bible except for bread and wine. Um, He does separate out fish for the crowds to eat, but we never see Jesus eating fish. So, technically, for all we know, Jesus was a vegan. And I like to think of him as one. And, His uh, mindset sure he, was. He surely was. I mean, in that he, if you, there's so many things about um, that that we can say about Jesus. But first and foremost, Jesus was about the least of these. You know, he was about the least of these. When you, he says over and over again, when you help the least of these, um, you're 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 loving me. When you visit someone in jail, you're loving me. When you um, help a blind person, you're loving me. And so, the least of these in our culture, for sure, are the animals. They're voiceless and they're tortured to death. And they are the least of these. And so um, he was right in his mindset, in, in his fundamental um, core, Jesus was a vegan. And so he, he did feed fish to people, but we didn't see him eat it. That's that's number one um, in terms of these piddly little questions, which are actually pretty important. And um, Jesus didn't speak specifically about a lot of things uh, uh, that are ascribed to him. And so it's true. Jesus never told people how to eat. We can really only watch his behaviors, um, and and those would su- suggest that he would never want animals to be hurt. Jesus was really good to children, and children and animals, I and mean, this is why children come to veganism so naturally, they know what it feels like to be voiceless. They know what it feels like to really feel something and not be able to tell people. That's the animal experience. And so uh, um, it's right he didn't talk about that, but historically we know one thing very strongly, which is that many of Jesus's earliest followers were vegans. And not only were they vegans, they were such fanatic vegans that in Acts, Paul, Jesus's, some might say greatest follower, but certainly his most prolific follower, literally says in Acts, stop talking so much about veganism. You're obsessed with what you're eating. You, You vegans are driving us all crazy. Please pay attention to the important things. And so there were enough of Jesus's immediate followers who got it got the connection between Jesus and veganism so deeply that none less than Paul, the Apostle Paul, literally calls them out and says, vegans, like the vegans today, well, you know, the great joke, how do you know if someone's a vegan? And the answer is, they'll tell you. So I, I think that, you know, vegans then, as now, understand that what they're doing is so important and is so central to the well-being of humanity and themselves and so forth that they talk incessantly about it and paul himself noted that the jesus's early vegan followers were talking obsessively about it oh that's fascinating and i shouldn't have used the word piddly because i think all the questions are important (laughs) i mean where do you get your protein is important because when that is a question that somebody has they they need an answer so um 
Have you guys ever disagreed over an aspect or an approach to veganism? He wants me to not do it. Be, he thinks I am too in people's faces. She thinks I wear inappropriate T-shirts <laughs> that say hateful things on them. Um, uh, and uh, and she doesn't think I should break the law. And I have an act of civil disobedience in mind that I would like to do in a hamburger restaurant near where we live. And she doesn't. So Eve, well, Eve is, is more um, long game than I am. Yeah, well, I think that one of the great things about this movement is that everyone can be an activist in the way that best suits them. So for me, I love getting out there and protesting and marching. And for my mom, she, she can have an amazing impact to talking to people at, you know, on the golf course or at, uh, at her at a cocktail party or something. And people are going to take her with a certain amount of validity that they might not take me as a young activist, but that being said, there's also an interesting component to it, which she mentioned, which is that she tends to be a little bit more upfront and sort of stark with what she says. Whereas I tend to, I try to lead with compassion and love and meet, meet people where they're at with the end goal of um, veganism and of course, animal liberation. Um, and so I try not to use divisive terms and try to be super inclusive. And I think that sometimes it's easy to fall back on those on those words or um, just to kind of get frustrated, but that sometimes we have to see the end goal as everyone coming to it through their heart. Mm-hmm. And but I think we're a hundred percent on the yes, same page the majority like, of the right, time. Right, right. <laughs> right. Eve is like before I speak publicly about veganism. Eve often says to me, "Ma, to, tells me terms I should not use." Like, "Mom." I won't even repeat it, but I, I, it's, I tend to be quite in your face about it. And Eve asks me not to use those terms. That's always such a, a fine line. And I think it has to do maybe a little bit with personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last Definitely. night, uh, my husband and I were at a movie in Times Square and the subway was very crowded coming home. So he was sitting, I was standing and then he kind of waved to me and I thought something was odd. And I went over there. He said, I'm surprised you're not talking to that woman. And there was a young woman in a very in-your-face vegan T-shirt and a very in-your-face uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> vegan baseball cap. So, of course, I talked to her. And she was utterly fascinating. She's vegan for the animals, but she also was a perfectly very fit size. She was 400 pounds <gasps> before wow. she went vegan. And so, to me, yeah. the T-shirt was great. Right. Now, if yeah. I had not been vegan i'm not sure yeah yeah i mean i i walk around nantucket which is about as square and preppy as an island as you can i mean god didn't create a more square preppy island than nantucket and i walk around wearing a t-shirt it's got a very cute little lamb on it and says eat your own leg a-hole and so i mean it's as all right i i think it's the greatest t-shirt i walk down the beach wearing it and stuff like that and so i mean there there's Eve would tell me that this is not the way to well, do it. Well, I and I, I'm to put it in perspective. I have a shirt with two bunny rabbits that says "Love life, no matter who's." Right. Aww. I'm <laughs> a passionate cow. So, hey, but you borrow it sometimes. So. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I feel that yours might be really appropriate for Nantucket because I think in some places and, and some aspects of society people need more of, mm. of a wake-up wake call up. because I, I think perhaps in places where people are more comfortable the wake-up call needs to be a little bit louder yeah well jack and i had a really interesting opportunity this summer because 
our son, my oldest son, got married. And uh, while I uh, did not get to throw the wedding, um, although I loved being part of the planning, we did get to throw the big welcome party the night before. And we served Beyond Beef's um, vegan burger, the, uh, the Beyond Burger. Um, and it, in fact, the entire party was vegan. Um, and, and it was a wonderful platform with all of uh, our friends and, uh, and Michelle's family and friends. And to say this delicious meal was brought to you by um, uh, the, you know, we vegans up here and uh, people were delighted. And then the wonderful, I mean, there were so many wonderful comments about it for some people. They just never had vegan food and they didn't understand vegan food could be delicious. Um, uh, and then afterwards, the caterer wrote me an email that said, um, the burgers beyond burgers were such a huge hit. We're putting them on our regular menu on our, at our restaurant. So, you know, Eve was wonderful in pointing out to me, like, look, mom, you know, you didn't have to wear a t-shirt in anybody's face. You used your platform another way and think about the wonderful movement there. So there's every different way we can come at it. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's sort of like PETA. I know people have all different opinions of PETA, but you have to hand it to them that if anything is happening in the world that has anything to do with animals or could be stretched to have something to do with animals, they're going to find it and do it something for the animals. So I think that's cool. And it's and it's all about shaking things up as well. I think that from you coming from you, um, it's it's unexpected. Yeah. And from me, it would it would invalidate me. It just say, yeah. oh, there's another young hippie screaming about animals. Right. Um, and from you, so I think that you have to sort of realize who you are in the movement. Right. And at the end of the day, we're doing it for the animals. So how can you best help the movement? How can you best um, reduce all the suffering that you can and then strategize that way? And I think it's so important that people use what they have, Mm -hmm. whether this is history, like the young woman I met, she lost a huge amount of weight. Mm -hmm. That's a major selling point for, for veganism, for her going forward. And other people have different talents. They know how to cook. They know how to speak, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we use that. And it's so interesting with you, Susie, because when um, Winning first came out, I remember reading that book and thinking, oh, maybe in my next life I'll understand business. I'm going to read this book. Maybe I can understand some of it in this life. The idea that I would be sitting here today with you and your daughter and we would all be vegan, I mean, it's, right. it's it's amazing. It's you great. just never know. But the it's most all amazing cool. thing is that Jack is a vegan. I mean, because it, you you know you don't put together like sort of you know corporate guy and 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 his sort of incredible embrace of this. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing that's really interesting. I've observed about Jack. He, he's fully a, he loves animals, and um, he gets it's for the animals, and and he gets that's how both Eve and I came to it. And uh, resistance was futile, so he he came <laughs> along with us. I see he started off as a captive vegan, and then he just fell over the side. When he talks to his corporate pals, his golfing buddies, I watched this closely this summer, he always starts with the health argument. Mm-hmm, like yes. he always starts by saying, I feel 20 years younger. I've never felt better. My numbers are fantastic. You can't believe my blood numbers. And that he obviously, and it's not strategic, it's intuitive that the way to come at these guys is mm-hmm. not about the animals. It's so true. And I do think, though, I have seen his heart open up so much to this message as well. It, it is about health for him but at the same time you know he'll say things that we'll just look at each other in shock like how he says i feel so much better without death inside of me yes and that and that's of course it's about the health but it's also emotionally and spiritually he feels better without that death inside of him and i think that's something that is so relatable and coming from someone like him is so powerful i love it and that means that everybody is um 
a vegan. Everybody's a pregan. Yeah. And That's and can certainly be reached. Yeah. So as spiritual people who include animals in your circle of compassion, are you guys just lined right up on all your beliefs or do you get a little bit different there? Um, we are definitely different. I would view myself as a Jesus follower as well, but I am not um, a Christian or in that in that certain sense. I have a lot of problems, and I know that um, people can sort of shape their religion to be whatever it is, um, but I, I have a hard time with the hierarchical um, aspect of Christianity and also the how... God is given a, the gender of a male. Um, to me, I don't. I never really felt comfortable with that, and um, I, I'm much more. I'm much more. Um, I guess you could call pan- pantheistic. Um, I see God and the divine in all beings, in all non-human and human nature. Um, and I believe that we all are have the reservoir of the divine within us um, and that when you hurt animals and when you hurt nature, non-human nature, that you are hurting God. And that um, one of my fav- favorite theologians, Sally McFay, has a theory that um, that the world, that the earth is the body of God. And so when you when you cut down that tree, you're cutting down a part of God. Mm. And for me, that um, I don't think that our my mom and I I don't think our religious beliefs differ as much as labels might make it seem make, might make it sound. I think that she sees where I'm coming from, and I absolutely see where she's coming from. And I go to church with her, um, and I and I love the messages of the Bible. I think it's a beautiful book. But I'm also fascinated by Buddhism and by Hinduism, and I think that um, there's a beauty in all religions, and I'm uh, it's something that I love to study. But when it comes down to it, Jesus is my greatest teacher because I grew up in this tradition. Um, but it comes back to me as being uh, interconnection with all beings and that there is a divine within all of us. Gosh, Eve, I relate to you so much, and I can see myself and hear myself. 30 years ago or 40 years ago or however long it was, um, that I was your age. And I remember going to school to study comparative religions and learning the word panentheism, that God is all that is and then more besides. Mm -hmm. And that just suited me so well because I couldn't quite do that God is just all there is because I always knew there was transcendent as well as imminent. And the idea that somebody came up with the idea, you can have it all, which... You know, it's America. We and like I, that. And I think Christianity actually does have that, but it's labeled as the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, in, and that's why, you know, these labels sort of get things caught up. But I think that that's why I do say that I think we have so many similarities. Yeah. I think we do, too. I think that Eve's um, discomfort with the church machinery is a discomfort that everyone in the church feels. And you really can hate the church machinery, the hierarchy, until there's a thing like uh, Hurricane Harvey and what you see is the incredible organization of churches being the first responders in so many ways. And so I get it. There's two sides to that story, though. And I'm, I'm sort of a joiner, and I like uh, I like I'm, I'm like a churchy person, and so I have more tolerance for the church uh, machinery than Eve does. And I and I've had wonderful experiences teaching um, the Bible in church settings, 
um, and uh, she teaches Bible 101. Yeah, for people every who year. Are, I love it's that. so great. I love that class, and I, I teach it to people who were like me um, many decades ago, who sort of thought I have a feel for this, and I sort of I, I dig this Jesus guy. I like the way he feels in church, but I don't I don't know a single thing in that book, and and I and I teach a class for them. So, and I always mention veganism. In fact, there's not uh, there's not a class where I don't talk about how I apply my Christianity to what I eat. Oh, that's amazing. So while we're on churches, what are we to do? We vegans who are part of churches, part of synagogues, part of religious communities, I think very often people feel very singled out, very kind of oddball. What what do we do to get the message into these places? Well, it's all conversation, isn't it? I mean, I tell the story all the time of when my beloved pastor came over to the house to have a conversation and he needed some money for something came over we had a conversation and i said now you've asked me for something can i ask you for something and he was like oh sure and i said i want 10 minutes to talk to you about why i'm a vegan because of because of jesus christ and i think we 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 need to talk to our pastors in a way they understand and it starts with them and, and his eyes were open his family's eyes were open um and uh, they visited us, and, and they ate vegan for a couple of days, and we talked about it with them. I, and when you're, so I think we can't hide. We have to talk about how our faith and our food choices are deeply connected because of the Scripture. The thing we all share is love of the Scripture. And the thing that stands between us is our, our habits and traditions. I mean, down in the South, the, the, the Southern church culture is a barbecue culture. I mean, they, you go to church and you have a Sunday afternoon barbecue while you watch football. And that's a, you know, that is a big cultural change. We have to start putting something different on the grill um, because we were at church this morning. Um, that's a, these are conversations we need to have um, because we do share more than we disagree on. We, we share the scripture. What we disagree about is the cultural traditions. I would agree, and I also think that as the vegan movement is growing, that more and more religious people are finding it and then having to reckon with their faith and then with this new ethic that they're taking on. And I think that it's really great that there's so many new groups that are popping up, like Jewish Veg or like the faith outreach component of um, the Humane Society and Mercy for Animals, that there are that there are these faith outreach groups and also groups within different religious sects that are opening up their hearts to these issues. And then the second thing that I would say is that, which you sort of touched on, my mom touched on, is that the power of food is really, we can't take it for granted because when there's a potluck, and we all know that religious people like to have potlucks, <laughs> that if you bring a vegan dish and it... Um, you know, and everyone's raving about it, that you can sort of connect it back to your God and how it aligns with your religious values. And I think that bringing these items and in this conversation that it sparks is really important as well. I think that in some of the Eastern religions, certainly in in a yoga-infused culture, there is the idea of feeding the body so that this this temple can take on the the God presence. And sometimes I think even though in Christianity we're told that the body is the temple of the spirit, we tend to separate. Mm. Now we're going to put the body over here and give it a big, big Mac and pray with our soul. Mm. Yeah. Cartesian dualism, it is definitely a huge part of Christianity, but when you really think about the actual teachings of Jesus, it was that 
the the spirit is within you, but it is also but it's also uh timeless as well, and that it will travel on beautiful so if you have something else going on, it's called at vegans of New York City. What's that? yeah, so it's a social media platform. I can't take credit for it because a friend of mine started it, but after she moved out of New York City, she handed it over to me. And basically, it's similar to Humans of New York, where you um, where you look at the page and every single post is a different person in New York City. And of course, this is a vegan page. So everyone is a vegan. And I really love it because it shows that the vegan movement is so diverse in terms of um, race and gender and ethnicity and um religious belief, but also just in terms of like occupation. Um, so for instance, I was just interviewing someone who is a violinist um, and then there are people who are bodybuilders and there's all sorts of people who are vegans. And it just shows that anyone can be a vegan. If, you know, of course, if you have access to it, but um, it also just gets the word out there for vegans who maybe are just going vegan or just going plant-based and they feel alone and they, don't feel as though there's a community and the platform really shows that there's a community out there and that there are a lot of us and that we're growing. Um, and so I think that, uh, it's a really, it's been a really fun sort of hobby for me, um, to just show how big the movement is and, uh, to just show the different, that we're not all, uh, uh, yoga, yoga people. And, uh, that we're, there's a lot of us out there. And where do we find this? So um, on Instagram and Facebook, it's Vegans of New York City, all spelled out, at Vegans of New York City. Beautiful. Gosh, we're down to 30 seconds. Mm. Do you have a very quick benediction, Susie? (laughs) Wow. I've never thought about that, but I would just say, I mean, before we pray at dinner every night, we thank God for so many different blessings, but we thank him for allowing us to have a meal that is in alignment with his kingdom filled with mercy and compassion. What a beautiful prayer. Hey, listeners, why don't we adapt that one? Adopt that one for our own dinner tables. Thanks so much to Unity Online Radio, to our engineer, Jeff Comfort, and to everybody who listened. God bless you and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free. 
every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Finding peace wherever you are, even in times of chaos, is a spiritual practice handed down to us by master teachers through the ages. And that's the theme for this year's World Day of Prayer, Finding Peace in the Midst. Join Unity on September 13th and 14th for its 24-hour prayer vigil with ceremonies at Unity Village that will be live-streamed online. Go to worlddayofprayer.org to light a virtual candle or submit names for prayer on this special day. Be sure to grab the latest issue of Unity Magazine and read the interview with Ram Das, the iconic spiritual leader of the 60s. He's now focused on how to age consciously. Spiritual author Thomas Moore reflects on grumpy old men and women. And Barbara Bowen writes a touching story about her experience as a caregiver to her mother with dementia. To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to unity.org and click on Publications. experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller.
Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.